When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Silk Report. Oh, dear. By the way, I've got to let the audience know, I haven't seen that intro until right now, and it's um, it's very amusing. Let me know what you think of it in the chat. Um, I haven't seen that before, and I'm really, really pleased, thanks to the work of Ben and, and JG with organising that. Um, anyway, I guess let's go straight in for it. We are here to talk about the report, which obviously is, uh, thank you for the comments, by the way. We're obviously here to talk about today at the Australian Open, day one. I'm excited to be here after 12 days of non-tennis action in many respects it's great to get back to the courts and the courts of the Rod Laver Arena and elsewhere in Melbourne the main thing of course I guess for many of us to talk about at least to begin with is the return of Rafa Nadal to Grand Slam tennis uh he obviously won in straight sets today tell me what you think about that in the chat um thanks for being here of course it's a nice little image there of him in his purple outfit uh also let me know what you think of his outfit by the way but let's talk about the tennis so how was he today? Well, he won in straight sets. It's kind of looking a little bit like Rafa Nadal in Melbourne. We've seen this before, particularly in 2020 and 2021, where he sort of steamrollers through the first week and then he grinds to a halt. Do you guys think the same or do you think it will be different this year? Let's talk about the movement. Let's talk about the injury. Let's talk about the foot in particular. He did say a couple of things, one in his press conference in the lead up and then again on court and then again in the um, in the post-match press conference. He actually highlighted something about his foot that I think many of us weren't aware of. We thought it sort of flared up in, in, in Roland Garros at the French Open, but that doesn't seem to be the case. He said he started feeling it in a particular way post lockdown so let's say summer of 2020 as we obviously got the clay court very mini swing that we had in Rome and then Roland Garros and I did notice something during that Roland Garros of 2020 the one obviously he won and he did mention as well in his press conference that in the cold temperatures and that was a cold French Open he managed to get over it of course he went all the way to winning that tournament but he did change his shoes midway through uh, which I thought was an interesting thing. He, he had a, a particular outfit and he had his shoes that were matching it. But 
for some reason, at the end of his second round win in that particular run, he then changed to some black shoes that he obviously felt more comfortable in. I thought that was kind of peculiar at the time. But after this comment that he made in particular to Jim Courier, that actually he's been feeling it for 18 months. Is this the first time we've had a fully fit Rafa Nadal in two years? Because obviously he had his back issues as well going into the last slam. Let me know what you think in the chat. Um, regarding Rafa today, and did he look good? Well, he had his little purple numbers I've already touched on. I think he looked pretty good. There was quite a few moments where he was having to dash around the court and, and it was a nice workout. Many of you will say that he's got tougher assignments to come, but I think the best thing actually is the serve. The serve is now looking a little bit back to where it was, say, at the end of 2019. Um, he got seven aces today. I looked at his stats for a year ago where um, he had five aces in his first round. So he's already a couple ahead on that count. And I think it's also a progression of what we saw before, uh, both even in Abu Dhabi and uh, and then also in Melbourne in that pre-Tournament Australian Open, where I think his serve has been getting gradually better. Now, whether that's the additional member of staff on his coaching team, or I also think there's an issue with, which we've seen with other older players, such as Djokovic, where they can't do so many long points. So they have to look for other advantages. And I do think at last, we remember all the issues he had, particularly on the clay last year with his serve. That does look to be one element of the game that is on it. But as I said, we have got tougher assignments to come. Uh, he won today in straight sets against Giron. Giron, I think, is about number 66 in the world. So, you know, as we know, he's got bigger assignments to come. By the way, hello, Kathy. Hello, Gene. Nice to have you in. Liam, thank you for the kind words. Um, and all of you out there, by the way, and all of you, obviously, you know, pretty pleased to see, you know, one of the all-time greats back on court at Grand Slam Tennis today. Regarding his tougher assignments, uh, I think many of us were expecting Rafa to be playing in the next round against Tanasi Kokinakis. But sadly, uh, for his point of view and from his fans' point of view, he lost today in straight sets. I have to say I was quite shocked. Tell me what you think about it in the chat. I was shocked to see this. I actually didn't watch the match. I have had to get some sleep at some point. Um, I managed to watch two matches before sleeping at around about 6, 7 o'clock this morning and then managed to watch a couple more later on in the day, and we'll get to those in a minute. So I didn't watch Kokinakis, but what I did see is obviously this tweet where he said, pretty flat after that, hurts because I couldn't get going today. Thank you for the support over the last couple of weeks. It's been incredible. And obviously he's referring to the fact that he won in a warm-up tournament. And I am going to come to the warm-up tournament debate, actually, if, if you like, at the end of the pod. I'd like to talk about that a little bit um, because I do think that that can affect players. And I think perhaps it affected him today. Yeah, he looked limp. Thanks, Liam. And I think he clearly says that. He says he'll be back next year and we'll try better. But it must be really devastating for him, having had all those injuries. and all those kind of highs and lows. And I remember the Aussie Open last year where he played really well at times. Um, and I thought he would win today. But he lost to number 126 in the world, a German by the name of Hanfmann. And yeah, uh, tell me what you think about that. Um, hi, Michael. Nice to see you. Thanks very much. Um, some of you are less shocked than me. Uh, I have to say, I thought Kokonakis would win and I thought he would actually pose a really tough match for Rafa it was probably going to be on at night time. And there's a lot of comments from some of the players about the conditions in the day and in the evening. I had a, I was getting all ready for a Kokinakis round two, four or five setter, where we would obviously see how Rafa could potentially be in those sort of uh, conditions. But as it is, he's got to play the German number 126. And yeah, I, I'm a bit, bit flat. Um, 
But I do think playing on a Saturday in a final and all the emotion as well as the physical elements with that, especially for someone like Kokonakis playing in front of his home crowd, I wonder if that is a draining effect. But I want to come to that at the end of this Silk Report rather than right now. Right now, I want to focus on players and I want to focus on matches. So the next player on the horizon, I think that I want to talk about because it's been a pretty busy day today with 128 players in action. And one of those players is friend of the pod, Aslan Karatsev, who managed to win against the Spaniard Manure in five unbelievable sets. I say unbelievable. So many breaks of serve, so many twists and turn. Despite all of that, I always felt that Karatsev was going to win. I don't know if, how you felt about that. I mean, he went two sets to one down and he's a kind of on the ropes. But what I felt watching it is that his ceiling was way beyond Manu. Manu was doing really well with the with his defense, no doubt about it. But Karatsev's high was way above anything that Manu could do. And when he was on form, you know, he was winning short points. He was playing really well with some unbelievable winners. But we've got to talk about the more than a century, 107 unforced errors. I counted, I think, 29 in the fourth set, I believe it was. No, it might be in the third set. Apologies. 107 unforced errors. Let me know in the chat. I'm sure Michael might well have a, a stat uh, to pull out from his sleeve regarding the most unforced errors in a in a in a five set match at a slam. Um, Aslan's legs can handle long matches, though. Yeah, they do. And he didn't look out of steam at any point. I mean, even at the end of that third set, going in two sets to one down. But I just always felt that. It was kind of on Aslan's racket if he wanted to, in a way. And I, I even felt a couple of times that there was a couple of lame moments with him where he sort of stuck out a racket. And I thought, come on, Aslan, pick it up. And, but the worst one, so 107 unforced errors, but I want to pick out one. Yeah, thank you for my pronunciation. Yeah, Muna, Muna, Jaime Muna from Spain. Um, thanks. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, I want to pick out one particular error amongst the 107. There's one that sticks in my head, and I think it was midway through the fourth set when he was a double breakup, and it's on his racket, and the, and he and he's right on top of the net. The ball bounces. He's got so much time to compose himself. He could pretty much stick it anywhere in the court, and he's won the point. And he somehow sticks it in the tram line, and I, I just don't know how he managed to lose that point. And there was quite a few points today. I didn't quite know and yeah and of course again Fatima great point and that is something we're going to come to we've already mentioned it with Kokonakis we've already mentioned it now with um, Karatsev who both played in finals on Saturday Nadal by the way finished his warm-up if you like a week before in terms of competitive action so I you know we are seeing a pattern there going to come to that at the end I really want to touch on that at the end but one more thing regarding uh, regarding Aslan that I do want to mention, and we're going to focus in a bit maybe on that picture there. The outfit. I don't know. I can't get used to it. I prefer I prefer humble Aslan. I prefer the white and the grey and that kind of outfit and the no sponsor. He's obviously got managed to get a sponsor after, you know, a pretty incredible 2021. Um, and as a result, he's got a sort of a flashier outfit, and I'm not sure if it suits him or his game. Let me know what you uh, think in the chat. Can Aslan go deep? Thanks for the question there, Shanil. Shahil, Snehil, sorry. Can he go deep? Yeah, I mean, it's not a great start, let's say, in terms of where he was at today. And I think he's got a, a tough draw. He's got um, Mackenzie McDonald in the next round. That won't be easy. If he gets through that, he's got other tougher assignments ahead. He's got McDonald in the next round, Gene. So 
that's not a gimme. And playing five sets today won't necessarily help him, especially after a fairly grueling week the week before, where he did hit some incredible highs, especially against Andy Murray in the final. But I don't think that's the ideal build-up, if I'm honest. So he will play McDonald, and then if he comes through that, he will play a certain Polish player by the name of Herkacz. Now, Herkacz won today. Uh, in four sets, wasn't a convincing display, I would say. Um, Wasn't convincing, but he won, and that's the most important thing. I couldn't watch all of this match. I dipped in basically towards the end of the third set as it was starting to look kind of exciting. Is uh, uh, Gerasimov or Gerasimov, depending on how you pronounce it, um, uh, was looking pretty good towards the end of that third set, managed to squeeze the tie break, then obviously goes into a fourth set. And at this stage, you know, this is, if you want to win slams, if you like, there are occasions where you will see players that drop sets early on. But I'm not sure nowadays, you know, these guys that are winning tournaments, and we saw Medvedev steamroller all the way pretty much to the final last year in the US Open. Do do players like Dominic Team in 2020 when he won the US Open? We know the big three. They just steamroller through the first week. Do they regularly drop sets in the first or second round nowadays? Maybe in yesteryear. I'm not sure they do. And I don't think this bodes well for her catch either. Anyway, her catch and Karatsev on a collision course. And what we've got here, by the way, is, is the moment of the match for her catch. He's got his second break point and he does an incredible... Uh, diving volley check it out if you get the chance because it was the moment of the match and it was also ironically it was also on the most important point of the match because it's great point in that business end of the fourth set and it basically set up the victory and it was an incredible one I've seen him tweeting about it today as well and as you can see from this image I mean it's certainly the image of day one and uh and uh he's kind of Boris Becker like as he's diving across the court he will play Marin uh Manorino in the next round before potentially playing against uh, Karatsev. And I am looking ahead, but the winner of that would then potentially play Rafa Nadal. Quite a bit of tennis to play before then, and who knows what may well happen, but that will be a tasty encounter. Let me know in the chat, am I getting too far ahead of myself? Do you think uh, that Rafa's basically guaranteed to get to the fourth round? He could potentially play Hachinov, who also won today in round three. Will Herkatch or Karatsev, which one of those two do you expect to get there? And also, which one of those two, thank you very much, midfield maestro, which one of those two do you think is A, most likely to get there, Herkatch or, um, or Karatsev? And can either of those prevent Rafa Nadal making the quarterfinals or further at, I think it will be, oof, it must be about 10 slams in a row now that Rafa has always got whenever he's played at a slam he's always got to the quarterfinal the last time I think was Wimbledon 2017 uh when he went out I think to Rossal was it in round two round three it's been a long time since Rafa Nadal had an early exit will we see one at this Australian Open I'm not so sure I think things are looking good for the Spaniard but let's not dwell on him because there's plenty of other people to talk about um having spoke about those guys um, let's move on to the women. Coco Goff today, um, arguably the biggest story from day one, uh, is her defeat. A shock. I'm shocked by it. I thought 
like many of us uh, did. I, I think both JG and Ben at various points in the last week or two have gone big on Coco Goff. I thought this was possibly going to be her best slam. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Happy New Year as well to, to you uh, out there listening and watching. Yeah, I thought this was going to be the slam that potentially was where Coco Goff was going to go deepest. I think she's had a quarterfinal at Roland Garros last year. Albeit, I don't see Clay being her best surface right now, but who knows how it will go. We've seen her reach the fourth round at four tournaments already, I think twice at Wimbledon and 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 two others. So, you know, she's starting to build a pedigree. So I just did not see this coming. Another one, by the way, who also played quite late in terms of the uh, before Australian Open. She was in a semi-final, I believe, on Friday in Adelaide 2. Uh, she had a couple of three-set matches last week as well. She played in a tournament the week before. So again, and she mentioned it in her post-match press conference. So yeah, just really, really flat. But let's talk about her opponent, Wang, doing it again. Don't forget, it's Wang who shocked Serena Williams. Um, And when she played Serena Williams uh, in 2020, I think her performance that day was really top, top, top. I couldn't watch this match today. I watched about maybe two games actually in the second set. I think Coco Goff was lead, losing five love and was on uh, was looking like, um, uh, which is where you can see Jose Magado at this point. It looked like she was going to be bageled. Fortunately, she managed to squeeze out a couple of games in that final set. But yeah, Wang got fifty four percent first serve in. <coughs> Excuse me, fifty four percent first serve in. That's not you know great, which probably doesn't do too well on Coco Goff. I watched her press conference afterwards. I think that was maybe the most interesting press conference of the day. She spoke about her confidence. She spoke about the unforced errors. Um, I think she she spoke about tightness as well. Unusual, perhaps. You know, she's now obviously in, you know, she's been in a dozen or so slams before, but she mentioned how tight she was feeling. Uh, she mentioned about the court speed, which is also something I want to come to at the end as well. Yeah, where where do we go from here? Um, I think we see it with young players. We saw that breakthrough Wimbledon in 2019, which really excited so many people. We followed her closely. She's had a couple of tough draws. I remember her losing to Osaka at least once uh, in New York. So, yeah, thanks, Michael. Yes, yeah, so many unforced errors, and, and she highlighted that afterwards. Um, you know, we, we've got this, this thing with young players, and I'm a bit worried about Raducanu as well. Um, we'll, we'll probably touch on her a little bit later or perhaps tomorrow. Obviously, she's, she's in action. And the thing is, with the women's so stacked now, women's tennis, there's no chance really some, for some of these players to feel their way in. You know, we spoke about some of the men's players perhaps feeling their way into a tournament and maybe throwing in a, a dodgy performance, but still managing to progress because, you know, the, the, we've got the, you know, the top, five or six players that I do think are on another level. And then we've got even the next five or six players are on a particularly good level, if you like. And I think it's it's probably about number 10, number 11 in the world on the men's side where we do then see a drop. Whereas the women's, I mean, we've got players like Coco Goff, who I think was seeded number 18. But if Coco Goff was in the final of the Australian Open, it doesn't surprise you. If Coco Goff goes out in the first round, yeah, it does surprise you. But you know that she's got a tough draw. And I think she may... Forget who. Let me know in the chat who she was due to play. I think in the fourth round it may have been Ashley. No, I think Badosa was was on her her radar for the fourth round. So that's the thing with the women's draw. There's twenty players that could possibly get to the final, and there's twenty players that could go out in the first round, as we saw with Coco Goff today, 
And we also saw Bedosa, by the way, a very impressive win for Bedosa today. Um, six four six love, or was it six love six four that she won? Looking good, um, but there is one problem with Bedosa is that she seemed to have a leg injury. I haven't heard anything post match um, regarding uh, Bedosa, but um, that will be a concern. But the comfort with which she won what was a particularly tricky opening round, I think, should hold her in good stead. Thanks, Jean. Yeah, it was it was potentially Bedosa in the fourth. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, let me know what you think regarding, what do you think about the women's tennis on, on day one? I think it's been a pretty good day. It's been quite exciting. I, I do think that overall today, perhaps the Karatsev match on the, on the men's side was the most dramatic, if not the most highest level, but we haven't had a sensational day. Like we had kind of 14 sensational days in New York last year on the men's and the women's side. So, I don't think we quite hit those heights just yet, but it's just feeling their way in and, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I think before we finish in terms of the matches today, I do want to touch on the return of somebody that we've all been looking forward to, and that is Naomi Osaka. Great to have her um, back today. Really pleased to see her back. And it's nice tweet there. Lots of colour. Nice to be back. I tell you what, it's great to have her back. 6-3-6-3 today. She won against the Colombian Camila Osario. I uh, hope you like my Spanish pronunciation there. Um, so, yeah, that was a great win. I, I did feel with Osario that perhaps, maybe not overawed, because actually there was a few bamoses and, and come-ons from her uh, at various points. Um, thanks for the super chat there, uh, Tati Champ. Yeah, I did think that um, that she wasn't overawed, and I think that she still believed, even at times when she was a breakdown. But when she came off the court afterwards, um, Osario, there was um, there was still quite a lot of smiles, and I think she was really pleased to be there. Um, and that's great. I understand that. But I probably would have liked a bit more disappointment. I mean, you have just lost in the first round, albeit against a, arguably a legend of the of the sport. Um but anyway, regarding um, Osaka, there was a funny moment, by the way, with a kind of an, ins- an example of a superstition that she had. I don't know if you all saw that with the with the Melbourne sign. I think she wanted to step over it, but at one point she stepped on it. She then stepped back and then stepped over it again. So many funny moments, and and it's just great to have her back and 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 seemingly you know on in, in a good moment, let's say, and and long may that continue. And it was a convincing. Um, win, I would say. And, and what more can you do? Straight set, 6-3, 6-3. Really pleased to have her back. And um, let me know if you think that she can go all the way. I mean, she is the defending champion, which actually, given given what's happened in the last 12 months regarding Naomi Osaka, it's, um, sometimes it's easy to forget. And I forget, yes, yeah, she won it last year. And she won it incredibly. Uh, obviously, with beating Muguruza, I think it was in the third round, saving match points. But you know, at that point, we thought, here we go. This is a world number one in the making. And we were kind of looking at Ash Barty as someone who might well lose that position. But it was ultimately Ash Barty who came strong. When are Osaka and Barty, they're on different sides of the draw. So I guess um, they are potentially in the final, if I'm right um, in understanding that. But the women's draw is so unpredictable, um, so difficult to predict. And yeah, it's exciting. And um, great to have Osaka back. I want to finish, though, today by clearing up some any other business, by the way. And if there's any players that you want to talk about who I haven't mentioned thus far, um, please let me know in the chat. But 
I want to come to a few other bits and pieces. First of all, we've got the sad news that Anjabur has pulled out. Um, we saw that back injury that she got last week in a warm-up tournament. Again, warm-up tournament alert. And I'm going to address this point. Pretty much every player I've mentioned so far, I've mentioned the warm-up tournaments. I am going to address that and really want to talk about it. But So she picked up this back injury. I have to say, I thought it was a precautionary measure. I thought that she was kind of posting some nice things and there were some good vibes coming out from her that I thought it was going to be okay. Yeah, I have to discuss Kokinakis um, uh, 12 Travel 21. Um, and uh, be sure to to check that out, obviously, um, when you when you get the chance. But yeah, on Jabur, um, I, yeah, I'm sad because again, who knows, this could have been a, a great tournament for her, but I'll, I'll read out the statement anyway. Sadly, I had to withdraw from my first round of the Australian Open today. That obviously means her opponent which is Irina Barra will sorry Irina Barra is the lucky loser who will replace Anjabur because Anjabur was scheduled to play tomorrow, so there will be no walkover under the the rules of of um, Grand Slam tennis. That because she did so before the tournament began, Irina Barra is a lucky loser will step in see how she gets on tomorrow. Anyway, let's let's get to this uh, tweet. I'm kind of going all over the show. Sadly, I had to withdraw from my first round of the Australian Open today. I've injured my back in Sydney last week. I tried everything to be ready and thought I could have recovered in time to play here. Unfortunately, the pain is still very present and playing in such conditions could jeopardize my whole season. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with a back injury. I mean, you've got to take care with this. This is not something you can play through. This is something that really could cause a lot of problems. So probably best to take care uh, with something like this. So now she's going to rest and treat myself and hopefully come back as soon as possible. Thanks to all my fans for all their help and support hoping to be a hundred percent for the next one. Yeah. So hopefully see you back on a court soon. I don't know whether what's on her diary, but I think really needs to be super cautious. And if necessary, just wait for that clay court season and hopefully be fit and firing for that. And then obviously the French open. Okay. Coming to, you saw me obviously already click on that slightly there. Uh, Coming to the next point in any other business I want to address is the court speed. We've heard a lot of people talking about it. Rafa Nadal mentioned it before the tournament began uh, talking about particularly how fast it is, I think perhaps maybe more so in the daytime. Coco Goff has highlighted it too. Does seem to be a thing this year. Who do you think the court speed will favour? You would think big servers, obviously. Are there other players that you expect to benefit from the court speed? Um, we've obviously got some some aces here. Bublik with 30, de- 30 aces on day one. That's pretty impressive. Lopez uh, with 26. I think Lopez went out today, right, to John Millman. So he will remain on, on 26. Opelka, unsurprisingly, on the leaderboard there with 23. I expect him to stay in the competition for a couple more rounds. So I'm sure we'll see him shoot up that lead at leaderboard as well. Um, but yeah, so we've got uh, quite a few aces. I touched on it with Rafa with his seven aces, two more than at the same stage last year. So I do think there is a court speed. Um, Karatsev should be happy with faster courts. Thank you for that. Um, Snehil, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Uh, apologies if not. Be sure to correct me somehow um, in the chat. Um, so, yeah, fast courts will help uh, her catch and Zverev, obviously, definitely. I think Zverev, Berrettini with the big serve, of course. But I think I think Zverev as well, who, by the way, is my tip for the tournament. Um, regarding that, I'm actually a little surprised at how many people have got Medvedev is their overwhelming favorite. I actually don't see it that way. I see 
Medvedev getting to the final, and I do see um, Zvedev making the final. But I understand people picking Medvedev. He's obviously got the monkey off his back regarding a, a Grand Slam. But given the way Zvedev dismantled Medvedev in the ATP Tour finals, albeit that's three months ago and indoors, I do see this as being Zvedev's time. Let me know um, what you think about that. Thank you again for another super chat there. Yeah, let me know what you think about that in the chat. Am I being misled by Zvedev? I saw him play today as well. He, uh, I think he looked good. I think the days of Zvedev dropping careless sets early on in slams that we've seen, or even early exits in slams, I do think that's over. I do think with with the uh, departure today, that's probably someone we should touch on. Lloyd Harris has gone out today, so that helps, I think, Zvedev. I'm not sure if it was the second or the third round. I think third round they were due to meet. Uh, Zvedev will play Milman in the second round. Um, home favourite. We all remember the Milman-Federer match from two years ago. Fifth set, super tiebreak, I think it was, including some match points. Can Milman reach those heights again? That's two years ago, and I think... When you're in your 30s, um, uh, can someone tell me in the chat how old Milman is? That would be amazing. Once you're in your 30s, I do think that two years is a long time, and especially with the pandemic adding on to that. So I do see Zvedev coming through that. Might drop a set, and uh, hopefully that'll be a nighttime match. But yeah, regarding Zvedev today, it was touch and go for him in the first set with the tie break. But I always felt Zvedev was, I think um, his opponent, uh, the German uh, who he was playing today, um, was not quite, he was hanging in there throughout, let's say that. And he was having to save break points and set points, managing to get to the tie break. But yeah, it's court speed. We're going to have a look at some, some of the stats as well regarding the women's court speed, or at least their service speed here. Uh, Nomo Saki, 120, uh, sorry, 193 kilometers an hour first serve. Bedosa, uh, Goff, obviously, who's out. Madison Keys, uh, 189. I think she went through today as well. So, yeah, perhaps court speed on the women's side will favour players like Osaka, not just in terms of her serve, because she can also hit a pretty mean, you know, ground stroke too. So that's how I see it. Um, any players, by the way, because this is speak up now or forever hold your peace. Um, any players that I haven't mentioned uh, that you would like me to come across? I didn't manage to watch every match today. I don't even have every single result in my memory back. But please, if there's your favourite player, and I haven't mentioned your favorite player. Mention them in the short chats. Ah, oh, Monfils. Thank you, uh, Snail. Yeah. Um, Monfils, I think the draws open up for him. And he won in straight sets. And we know how he was in, in the week before. And, you know, he's, what's he, 17th seed, I think. But with Djokovic's departure, um, I'm not sure if you are all aware, but Mr. Djokovic is not playing the Australian Open this year. And there's about 12 days worth of podcasts be sure to go back to the eight-hour epic from about 10 days ago to catch up on all of that. Um, but yeah, the draw has opened up for Monfils. That that section with, with obviously, with the lucky loser uh, who lost, I think, to, um, how do you say his name? Krizmanovic, is it? Um, he lost to, uh, obviously, going through. That draw now has really opened up. And the biggest beneficiary is... Um, is um, it's, 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 for me, it's Monfils. It's there. How he can deal with that pressure? Well, he seemed to try, uh, deal with it quite well today. I think I can see him definitely making the fourth round. I think he would probably get to, yeah, Liam, I will actually. That's a great one. I have to definitely address that. I will in a second. I can see 
um, Monfils making the quarters where I think he would probably meet Berrettini or Sinner. I have Sinner getting that far because I actually have him get, get into my semi-finals. Um, so that's my Monfils thing. I actually didn't watch him today, but, um, you know, it's an impressive straight set win. Great. And, and, and great to see. I think we're all pleased to see that. Cam Norrie. Yeah. Thanks, Liam. Um, I think Ben and, and JG were divided on their preview. I'm, I'm trying to recall from my memory bank. Um, but I think they, uh, one haven't, one had Cam Norrie going through and one had him going out. I had Cam Norrie going out. I had him going out for a few reasons. Corder, his opponent. That's pretty much as hard as it gets, I think, as a first round opponent. And I'm pretty much, in my opinion, probably the best now that Alcaraz is seeded, by the way, who was very impressive today. And Alcaraz's build up to the tournament has also been very interesting. Decided to play no tennis, and you could see it. He was looking lean and mean and strong. If you can possibly look lean and strong at the same time, boy, did he look good. Um, and I have him getting to the semi-finals. So anyway, coming back to Cam Norrie, yeah, Corder, worst possible opponent you could possibly get, and especially in the form that Cam Norrie is in, losing all of his matches, exactly, Gene, losing all of his matches at the ATP Cup, which, by the way, I don't think is the ideal build-up either. So, yeah, um, I did want to, But what, what surprised me, though, I, I had Corder going through and having a good year. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, I agree. What surprised me, though, was the manner of the defeat. I mean, there was a bagel in there, and it was straight sets. I had Nori and Corder uh, going four or five sets, but ultimately Corder pulling through. It was a, it was a, uh, he dismantled him, and and I, that's a bit worrying regarding the year ahead. And I think many of us, and me included, maybe did think that the last year was Corey's best year and ceiling as well. You know, winning Indian Wells you know, getting to third and fourth rounds consistently at slams and doing well elsewhere, getting to ATP 250 finals, I think. So, but I, I, I'm I'm worried about him, if I'm honest. I don't see him reaching the heights of last year. Uh, let me know what you uh, think in the chat. Okay. I think now it's time to talk about final point in my any other, any other business. It's basically to talk about this preparation for the Australian Open. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot in recent years. I don't think, first of all, ATP Cup is an ideal prep for the Australian Open. I think for the eighty, I think it's a it's a fun tournament for two or three days because there is no tennis, and then suddenly when the other tournaments get going, you know you're starting to watch Rafa's return in the ATP two fifty. You're starting to watch Adelaide one. You're starting to, and suddenly by the time you get into the semi-finals of the ATP Cup. You know, me, certainly, I'm starting to watch the other tournaments. And first, so that's the first thing. But secondly, I don't think it's an ideal preparation. I think the gap between that finishing and if you go out, if you're in, you know, if you're, uh, you know, someone like Basilashvili as a Georgian or if you're in um, another team, if you like, or, or represent another country and you go out early or it's not ideal. You might get three matches, I guess. I guess that's the the flip side of the coin. But personally, I think we've seen it from Rafa's preparation and from other players' preparation as well. You know, we had the two best Spanish players um, that were not playing for Spain, basically, Nadal and Alcaraz. So, I mean, I know Alcaraz's ranking is probably a bit lower than Bautista Gutten and Quenya uh, Busta, but I think you know what I mean. So I don't think it's good preparation. I personally would like to see the Australian Open put back a couple of weeks. I think February last year was ideal 
you know, could be beginning of February. I think that way we could begin the new year. Uh, personally, I'd like to see the ATP Cup start, start on the 2nd of January, just because I think I need the 1st of January to recover from the rigors of the night before. And I don't mean sporting rigors, I mean uh, going out rigors. So, but I think that would be great. I think we're excited to see the ATP Cup. Let it have its breathing space for a week. Let the players play. They'll either get three or five matches, I guess, depending on where they're at. And then you've got then probably two to three weeks of warm-up tournaments, perhaps. Players can pick and choose. What you've got, though, we saw it last year. Dan Evans, I think he won an ATP 250 on the eve of the tournament. I thought, wow, Dan Evans. We've seen a lot of good things from him. He's due to have a good Australian Open. Boom, he goes out in round one. But I think we've seen it even in starker contrast this year. Rafa Nadal plays three warm-up matches, so to speak, in the ATP 250, has a week of practice, goes in and is looking pretty good, certainly considering the last six months. Conversely, you've got other players like Karatsev, who played in a warm-up tournament all the way until Saturday, so two days ago. And yeah, we're struggling today. Now, whether that's because of that, I don't know. But we can certainly look at other players. Coco Goff mentioned it in her uh, pre-match press conference uh, who else am I missing? I had sort of two or three players on my list that were just not on it. Um, and, and they went all went deep. They all went deep. You know, Goff was playing in, in Adelaide 2 on the Friday in the semifinal. She had two three-set matches last week. She mentioned it at a press conference. Not ideal preparation. Uh, yeah, did keys no harm. That's a great point. You know, I mean, you can, and you can come up high, definitely give up examples. But let's say we have six or seven players that are going deep at tournaments. Uh, Kokinakis, that's the best example. Thank you. I think it's an emotional and a physical toll that is to be taken on getting all the ways, particularly to a final, particularly on a Saturday, for example, night. And then you're back on court 36 hours later on a, on a, on a Monday hot lunchtime in, in Melbourne, although it wasn't super hot today. But still, I don't think that's ideal, especially if you've gone deep in another tournament as well. Now, we can probably look at six or eight players that all went deep this weekend. And we can probably think of three or four that did okay. As you said, Keys didn't do her any harm, but it did do those other players harm that I already highlighted. That's too many. If if you've got 50% of the players going deep, I mean, the fact that they've gone deep immediately before suggests they're in good form, suggests that hard courts are okay for them, suggests that Australia and the conditions there, and especially if they were playing in Melbourne, although I think Melbourne probably finished a week ago, all of this is not bad, but if you've got, you know, if you've got players that are going deep, they should be going past the first round at the Australian Open. Put it that way. I think this, and, and they're also highlighting it afterwards that the players are saying themselves. So, and Coco Goff, by the way, said that she won't be doing that again. And I completely understand it. I actually think the ideal prep for a, a Grand Slam is probably to play something like Wednesday to Wednesday the week before. You would never get it because scheduling a, a final of an ATP 250 on a Wednesday or even a Thursday uh, probably just doesn't work in terms of selling tickets. You obviously want to have it on a weekend. They would ideally have it on the Sunday, but no one wants to play on the Sunday. So they have it on a Saturday. But I think in an ideal world, which is, you know, Osaka was playing last week, pulls out on Wednesday, boom, hits the ground running today. I think it's time to breathe. No, I've barely slept. Um, and I've I tried to watch as much tennis as I could. Uh, 36 minutes in, uh, I wasn't expecting it to be so long. And who knows how it'll be at, at crazier days. Um, Barty, John comments. Um, what do you want to know, Troy, exactly? I mean, 
do I think that she's going to win it? I do have her winning the tournament, actually. But that's me getting a bit of the boring Ben disease, I think, because I just wasn't sure uh, with the women. And because of my lack of certainty and my lack of conviction about... I got doubts about everyone on the women's side, to be honest with you. But I've also got conviction, if you like, or, or, or got some confidence about 20 players. I think the only sort of one, if you like, among the seeds who I'm a bit worried about is probably Raducanu, um, given her form in the build-up and obviously getting COVID and that sort of seemed to to um, put her off a bit. And, and she pulled out, I think, of one warm-up tournament, or um, I think it was before. So, yeah, I'm a bit worried about her. But in in general, um, full speed ahead. But but the thing is with Barty, she could go out as early as round three or she could win the whole thing. And that's where women's tennis is at right now. And, and, and long might continue. But, I think it's time to breathe. It's time to relax. It's time to get a couple of hours sleep for, for some of us, especially those of us in Europe. Uh, is this the first GTL steam without either Ben or JG? I believe so. Um, there may have been a moment or two where I had the airwaves to myself as they got cut out mid, midstream during a match, but I think this is certainly <laughs> thanks, Michael. Um, <laughs> uh, I love how Michael, by the way, who's in the US, um, is aware of EastEnders. Uh, I don't know if you ever spent any time in the UK, Michael, but I love that. Yeah, this is the posh version of GTL. By the way, I don't think my, my accent's particularly posh, but perhaps compared to the wide boys of Ben and JG, uh, who spend, you know, their time in the Queen Vic, uh, perhaps that's where that comes from. But, but thanks for the comment all the time, all the same. Uh, the Silk Report, yeah, Jared, thank you. Gonzalez there, 12 trillion. John has bought the channel too. What does that say? Sorry, I missed that. Um, bought the channel after his recent success. Did you not hear? <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm taking over. I'm becoming a media mogul, Liam. Uh, next next step, I'll be buying up other channels soon. So watch this space. Uh, but Liam, I might need to borrow some some cash, mate. Okay, now though, thank you for all your questions. I'm sure I couldn't address all of them. Um, but I will be doing so as much as I possibly can. What's unbelievable is I've managed to talk for 39 minutes, even though I don't think this was the craziest day in Grand Slam history. So um, I'll try and keep it briefer in the future. I hope I touched on many of the key points from today. Um, but it's great to be talking about tennis again. Thank you very much for joining and speak to you soon. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.